0: You are listening listening
1: to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast.
0: All the years under your belt of, uh, you know, walking and wading and fly fishing these streams in in Colorado and rivers and and beyond, what would be a a piece of advice you'd give somebody to kind of up their game? You know, as a guide, you probably see a lot of people, um, you know, hit the stream with you, are like, well, there's probably a common theme how can the average person get better?
1: You know, I really think it comes down to present the ability to put the flies within the vicinity that you're, that you're trying to hit, whether you're using an indicator or throwing a streamer or dry drop and whatever, the ability to hit close and then the drift portion. And this is where most people struggle. Most people run their flies entirely too fast got to slow them down, and they will say, you know, now if you're fishing dry flies, surf, certainly you want to go to the speed of the surface water. Right. right. Yeah, and you don't want any drag on it. But most people, when they're nymphing, they think that if their indicators go in the speed of the water, that their flies are going the right speed. But that is not true. Uh, that water at the base of the river, down where your feet, you know, are, are residing, uh-huh. is going about half speed of the water on the surface, and so folks are fishing way too fast, especially in uh, these highly pressured waters. These fish see thousands of naturals and thousands of, of fake bugs a day, and they're going to eat the ones that are going the right speed
0: welcome to the fly fishing 97 podcast featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry we focus on guides conservation resort managers gear and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers the fly fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the fly crate theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing the Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine. The convenience of having flies delivered right to your door. Some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. TheFlyCrate.com. Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Well, support for the Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Take your time, fellas. Manscaped has you covered. Men, let's be honest. If you're still shaving your face and body with the same trimmer, you're probably doing it wrong. Boost your confidence with this new body trimmer from Manscaped. Take me time to the best time with a smooth shave. Get 20% off and free shipping worldwide with this code. FF97 Podcast. That's FF97 Podcast at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping worldwide. Use the best tools for the job welcome to this edition of the fly fishing 97 podcast we're really happy you are joining us today and we're going to take you to a beautiful part of the world we're going to hook up tonight we're going to chat with Dwayne redford now Dwayne is based uh well he guides out of the vale valley in colorado with minturn anglers um he's a guide author speaker great fly tire and i know he's got lots and lots of lessons and uh just a joy of uh, for fly fishing to share with us tonight, Dwayne. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mark. So let let's uh, let's start at the beginning. How did this passion for fly fishing start for you?
1: You know, it, it's crazy. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved to fish. Um, anything, uh, anything under a bobber, you name it—dry flies, whatever. But my dad gave me a, a fly rod when I was nine an old uh, Fenwick fiberglass and a Perrine reel. Remember those electric reels? And, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then we joined a club in Tucson, Arizona, the Tucson Flyfishers, Fishers, and uh, I learned to tie and cast and present and drift and the whole nine yards. So I've been doing this for, I'm not even going to tell you, long time.
0: <laughs> so hmm. if you had to look back, at when it all started, who kind of was there to mentor you and, you know, show you the ropes. And and in other words, who have you learned from over the years? I'm sure it's a long list.
1: We would take these trips from Tucson, Arizona, 17 day trips, every August, go up the uh, California coast to fish our way up North, hang a right in Washington state there and fish in Idaho. And then hit Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico on the way home so I was blessed, you know, not only to spend that time with my dad, but but to learn to fly fish. You know, I was 9, 10 years old, you know, wearing cutoffs and Chuck Taylor high tops and wading in those cold rivers. And then over the years, I mean, people like uh, Pat Dorsey, uh, I guided with Pat early on in my career. learned so much from Pat. Hmm. Guided with Jeremy Hyatt. Not too many people know of Jeremy Hyatt. Uh, Jeremy's a, a part owner for flies and lies out of, out of Deckers, Colorado. He guides predominantly in the South Platte. Great guy to learn from uh, Bob Dye, Monroe Coleman. I mean, it's just so many countless others that have kind of paved the way, uh, for me to guide. And, you know, every guide I've ever worked with, I've always, I've picked something up, you know, I'm an old baseball player, an old baseball coach. So we're used to stealing stuff.
0: And,
1: uh, <laughs> it, 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 Everybody I've ever I've ever dealt with, I've learned something from.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I, I I think that's a life lesson too. Like no matter what you're doing, you know, you surround yourself with people that are knowledgeable, and you just take little bits and pieces, right?
1: That's exactly right. You know, Dorsey, I learned the mechanics of the drift. Jeremy Hyatt, you know, he furthered that, but also his poise on the river was just amazing. I work also with uh, Mandy Hertzfeld and her professionalism and her poise is beyond her years. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, and I learned things from clients as well. You know, I've fished with clients that are better than me and I've learned from them along the way. And then there's, there's all kinds of tires that I've learned from, uh, you know, Landon Mayor comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, my authors series, you know, do, writing my books. There's people that have inspired me along the way there as well. So well, you're right. Everybody you can pick a piece from, you take it.
0: I'd love to talk about your books, um, Fly Fisher's Playbook and Hidden in Plain View. But first, I want to get a view of your day-to-day in Colorado. you ready for a few random questions? Sure. Let's talk tunes. So when you're headed to your favorite stretch, what's playing in the truck?
1: Either Creedence Clearwater Revival or Garth Brooks, one or the other. Wow.
0: like (laughs) it. Old school. Um, yeah, favorite, cool. favorite Garth song.
1: Oh, it would have to be Thunder Rolls.
0: Yeah. I,
1: I got to tell you, Mark, there I was a, it. there was this hill and every morning I, I'd crest the top of this hill and then it was eight miles down to Deckers, yeah. like straight downhill. And most days I just put her in neutral and I would queue up Thunder Rolls, you know, a couple of miles beforehand and I would just <laughs> crank it. And that would, <laughs> that would get me ready for my day on the road. Oh, yeah,
0: Thunderbirds. I love that song. He's got so many good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Where where do you go to talk fly fishing? So, in other words, Dwayne, is, is there a fly shop in your neck of the woods that you like to frequent? Is there a coffee shop, a brew pub? So, when you're not fishing, where do you get your fly fishing fix? I, yeah,
1: honestly, I go to Western Anglers here in Grand Junction. Uh, a gentleman named Ned owns it, and it's just—it's Grand Junction is an old-time town anyway. And you go in there, and you can sit around the fly table, the fly tying table, and just, well, you know, lie. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't, but I don't—I don't you know what you know, you you're talking so about. Much, <laughs> and you get your fix, you know, you get your fix.
0: Good stuff. Um, if you had to pick one fly pattern for the rivers that you frequent a lot, and I know you're—you're you're on the. Eagle, is it not? That's where you spend a lot of time. Mm. What, what would be a yep, pa- eagle river? What's a go to that you're reaching for more often than not if you had to pick one fly? I know that's a tough question.
1: No, uh, well, it's really not. Um, it's a and I'm not being braggadocious at all, but it's one of my ties. It's the butt crack bait. It's uh, I'll run that year round, uh, depending on the time of the year, you know, that that gives me the color and size I want to throw, but.
0: Did you say it the butt crack? butt crack? Based. The butt crack.
1: Yeah. The butt crack bait. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How did you name that? And what the heck does that look like?
1: <laughs> it's a mayfly emerger. Yep. It's a, it's one of those crossover bugs, So you can, I have a butt crack midge as well. And it's called butt crack because, um, it's kind of a unique little way to, I, I split the thorax and have a wing butt sticking out. Okay. Um, yeah, and the thorax is a foam body, so you know you can do anything with that fly. You can swing it, you can drift it, you can lift it, fish it in the film. I just, hmm. I do, I do very well with that fly. What color? Yeah, this time of the year I'm running brown, okay, a dark brown, usually a like a 6 aught thread, and then starting up here pretty soon I'll run purple.
0: Purple. It's funny you said yeah, that, man. Purple. That comes up a lot. What what is it about purple? I guess they just see it, eh?
1: I think so. I think so, Mark. I think it's it's a lot of things, but it's, it comes down to this time of the year, the sun angle, okay, um, and the way that that fly looks in the water with these particular sun angles.
0: Hmm. So uh, when you're cheering for your team. Um, I don't know if you're a big sports guy or not, but, well, it sounds like you are if you coach some ball. So I, I would assume you're a Rockies guy. Are you a Broncos guy? Is it Nuggets, uh, or is it somebody else you follow?
1: Oh, yeah, all of the above. Hmm. I wish the Rockies were better. I wish the Broncos were better.
0: Hey, um, we're going to be good this I, year. I, I,
1: yeah, the hopefully, hopefully. Defense. I, I, you know, I love the Nuggets. Well, the defense on the Broncos is is uh, hopefully going to be
0: that's the first first real time we'll have Chubb and uh uh yep. Vaughn. Vaughn Yeah, at yes, the same Vaughn. time, right?
1: That that new defensive backfield, I mean they're they're gonna be top five, I'm hoping, but
0: yeah. Well I'm not
1: cheering for those knuckleheads. I'm I'm a Husker fan. I went to college in Nebraska and
0: yeah. just so- yeah, that's it. So tell me about your, your, your coaching career. Where did you coach ball at?
1: I coached several years. Um, I coached high school baseball
0: yeah,
1: in uh, the front range, Colorado for many, many years. Uh, now at this point, I'm, I'm not coaching. I'm over here. My grandson plays in the little league over here. He's 10 years old. Um, I'll go out and throw BP form, give him a few yeah. little pointers here and there, but, um. I also, I'm doing a hitting clinic for them this Friday, so nice. that'll be fun. Right on. Yeah, I've been in baseball my whole life. I scouted for the Reds and did all kinds. Of, it was like a lifetime ago, Yeah. but um, still, it runs through my veins.
0: Right on. Um, biggest lesson that you've learned so far. So if you kind of distill down what fly fishing brings into your world, what's the what's the takeaway?
1: You're going to laugh at this but honestly after all these years I've finally figured out that
0: <laughs>
1: there's no luck in fly fishing.
0: No nope. there's I like it. There's
1: there's no luck. It's it's all science. You know, huh. biology, entomology, hydrology. The only art in fly fishing is the art of landing those fish and that in and of itself is is physics as well but you know, you've got a living, breathing thing on the other end. Usually on a size 20 hook, but um, I kind of cringe every time I hear someone say "good luck because it's like, you know, you know how you have your your line stretched out below you, and it's dangling in the stream,
0: yeah. And
1: you're digging through your fly box, and a fish eats that bug that's 30 feet down downstream of you. <laughs> People say that's luck. That's not luck. They ate. <laughs>
0: You know, I've had, I've had a few people on that basically, oh man, I I can't remember this gentleman's name I had on, but he basically said it's all science and he broke it down. And I was like, "Hmm, Mm hmm, interesting. Um, I would, I would argue that for me, when I watch somebody cast really well, yeah, sure. There's a lot of physics going on there, but, uh. I guess there's no luck in that either, is there? That's all. That's all hard work, too. Yeah, I that's, think that's
1: hard work and art.
0: I'm proving your point. Yeah, no, I like it. So, in other, are you a real <laughs> analytical type person? You probably are with that ball background, too.
1: I am. I am. I'm all about statistics. I mean, go figure. Um,
0: you know, the, when I wrote
1: the last book, I, I, I studied the river. I mean, I I counted everything from. Bug hatch to, to, hatching to water temps, to uh, feeding slots, to depth of fish, to flies. Eat. I mean, you go on and on and on. And I compiled that over an entire year, um, including you know fish landed, fish lost, how we lost them, when we lost them in the fight,
0: True. on and
1: on and on. Wow. And that helped me write that last book. So yeah,
0: that's that it was
1: it was a labor of
0: love. I'm going to say that takes a lot of dedication. I'm I'm so lazy when it I go to relax but when I get home or even when I'm out on the water, the last thing I'm doing is taking notes and I, I used to you know, after a long day, you'd say, hey maybe if I tried this in this size, this color or this worked or the water temp was and some people really, really I got a buddy that does that, and I swear he kicks my butt sometimes because he's just like, "Well, here's the water temperature. Here's what worked last time, and it was an overcast day." And I so, said, "Oh, jeez, I'm in trouble," you know. <laughs> that's good stuff. I, I,
1: I think, I think it leads to fly fishing wisdom. Well, I'll, I'll say to my clients, you know, we're at 44 degrees, but uh, in three more degrees, 47 degrees, those trichos are going to come off. And, Yeah, And, you know, they they turn and think it's amazing, but it's it's science. It's just (laughs) note-taking.
0: Yeah. Fill in the blank for me. When I'm not fly fishing, I'm usually doing what?
1: Oh, shooting my bow. Yeah. My my recurve or riding or tying flies.
0: Somehow I knew you were going to say recurve and not compound. You just seem like a recurve type of guy. Huh.
1: Yeah, I'm not i'm an
0: old guy well that's that's skill right and yeah i don't know i i tried my hand at bow hunting quite a few years ago i wasn't very good at it mind you i didn't i'm a bad practicer i just want to go do it and you got to put in you got to you got to know where that arrow's going if you want to be effective and and spend a lot of time are you chasing mostly uh muleys or white tails or elk what, what's what's your your prey of choice normally
1: anymore i don't chase elk anymore um, i have chased bighorn and bear you name it i've i've uh, chased it uh, right now what i do is i hunt uh, mule deer on the western slope in Colorado and then uh, i'll hunt, this year again i'll hunt whitetail in nebraska and then i'll go down to Arizona and hunt mule deer again in december so nice. i like chasing deer
0: Right on. And that's probably, is that a slower time for your guiding, obviously, as well, so you can kind of sneak away?
1: Yeah, it slows down enough that I can take a week here or a week there, definitely.
0: Yeah. It's a bonus. What's the best job you've ever had?
1: Uh, you know, hands down, it's been guiding over the years. Hmm. Uh, I would say follow closely by, you know, doing the speaker circuit. I love that. You know, sometimes I, you know, I've done up to 30 shows in a year, traveling the country and speaking to folks, and uh, that is just a blast. That is an absolute blast. But I, I'd have to say, you know, when you boil it all down, it's just, it's just guiding anything, fly fishing.
0: What's the worst job you ever had?
1: Well, I had to sweep a parking lot um, <laughs> when I was in college. <laughs> there you that go. That was way up there. You know, to make a little money, I was, I was playing baseball. And I had to make some money, so yeah. I swept parking lots.
0: Yeah, we've all been there. I remember hauling rice in Chinatown for a couple of days. That was not fun.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Oh, it was bad.
0: Um, oh, actually, actually, <laughs> I, got, yeah, I got a better one for you. You know what it was? They used to call these people out. We had this thing called manpower, and basically, it was. All these union shops, if there's a job came up that nobody wanted to do, they'd call these guys, and I worked for them for a while when I was going to school. Mm-hmm. Broken down 53-foot trailer, refrigerator trailer with ice cream, full of ice cream. And You know, the, remember how in the paper, like the, I don't know how big they are, like a, a gallon, like they're in cardboard. Holy. Mm-hmm. Had to take those out one by one. Anyway, I just had a flashback.
1: That's a good one. That's oh, a
0: good job right there. That was not good. Um, <laughs> so I'm getting off, I'm getting off track. Um, best no, that's good. <laughs> best fishing location that you have ever been that you're willing to share.
1: Oh yeah, I, I would say probably one of the best fishing locations in the lower 48 would have to be Green <laughs> Reef out of Alcova. Wyoming,
0: Hmm. a
1: bunch of 16-inch footballs all day long under an indicator or dry drop or dry fly streamers. Yeah, I'd have to say it's the Great Reef, and it's been that way for many, many years since I started fishing it back in the late 80s. Hmm.
0: We're chatting today with Dwayne Redford. Now, Dwayne is a uh, fly fishing guide in Colorado, primarily on the Western Slope on the Eagle and the Gunnison. Now, he's written a couple of books um, that you need to know about. The Fly Fisher's Playbook, first and second edition, Hidden in Plain View. Uh, Let's transition into your books and your writing, because I I really like to dig into that a little bit. Tell me, first off, what made you decide to start the the first edition of, of Fly Fisher's Playbook?
1: Well, it comes back, Mark, to taking notes and uh, just being very observant on the river. And I, I, you know, I started doing the the talk circuit, and um, you know, I had PowerPoints. And a gentleman came up to me. I don't know, I was about a year into it, and he said, "You know what? You have enough for a book right here." And I said, "You think?" He said, "Sure." So I sat down and I wrote the book. and I you know, about two and a half weeks. And of course it takes another year to get all the illustrations and the editing and so forth. But then I realized I was on to something, you know, it's like I can take all this information and formulate it for folks to make it easy to digest. And I try to be conversational in my books. So I back everything up with stories and little vignettes and so forth. But that's really how it all started was that one gentleman saying, you know, I need to write this all down in a book.
0: Hmm. So, so when you uh, the second edition, what's what's going on between the first and second editions? And I got I, I got I, I have not read your book, but books, but um, walk us through that. So, um, after you did the first edition, where did you go with the second?
1: Well, it was about three years later because I, I self published the first one. Okay. Um, and it and it did very well, and so then I uh, had a conversation with Stackpole Books. And uh, they said, you know what? We'd we, we'd love to do a second edition of your of your playbook, the Fly Fisher Playbook. So, I, actually, I'll I'll admit it was a lot harder than writing the original book. Um, it's got 23,000 more words, all brand new illustrations, and, and all the bells, buzzers, and whistles, and
0: hmm. new cover,
1: and uh, it was it was quite an undertaking. And I've I really, you know, I'm not bragging, but I'm proud of that book because I poured a lot into it.
0: It's probably a lot different working with a publisher, too, because I'm sure they have very distinct ideas. They've been doing it a long time. You know, when you publish it yourself, you're probably just like, okay, this is this is, this is it, right? And uh, was there a lot of tweaking, a lot of late nights kind of going, I, I could see why that would be more work in, in, in ways.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of tweaking. There was a lot of back and forth. Uh, there were deadlines that I didn't have before. There were all new pictures that I had to go take, you know, and uh, publishers are, are very uh, very particular about their pictures, you know. The mm-hmm. fish has got to be dripping. The mouth's got to be open, all those things. You've got to have the sun just right. Mm-hmm. So it was, like I said, it was harder to do in that aspect than just sit down and write, write the darn book.
0: Do, do you enjoy the writing process?
1: You know, to me, it's like, I just, uh, I do, I do. You know, when I start sitting down to write a book, I'll start getting up at four in the morning. Sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and write notes on the you know on the headboard of the bed. So I can, you know, sometimes I can read them, sometimes I can't, but <laughs> I have to get it out of me. The, the Hidden and Plain View book, which is, you know, it's what, two and a half times the size of the playbook um, that took me about five weeks and that was just it felt like just a steady right boom 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 hmm. but when i'm done with it i'm done it's just like a
0: it's like a workout
1: you know you work out hard and then it's yeah. like okay i'm done i'm gonna rest
0: yeah i've heard other writers say that do you find that you do most of your writing in the winter months when you're not as active on the water or is it a bit a bit of both
1: Most of the writing, actually, the actual writing occurs in the winter, but it's interesting because uh, hidden in plain view, I had about 12,000 words that I had dictated into my phone. Wow. Um, I mentioned stuff after guide trips, you know, I just dictated into my phone. And keep a running tab. It, you know what? One of these days I'm gonna publish those dictations because they're hilarious. <laughs> you know how you get that autocorrect. There's some stuff in there that's probably not suitable.
0: <laughs> I sense I sense a podcast coming. <laughs> <laughs> I I love audio clips. And I like it when sometimes when you start recording like when we do a podcast for instance and sometimes you just forget you're actually do, it's just a conversation so like 20 minutes in 30 minutes in you start talking like you normally would to your buddy and and something comes out of your mouth that you're like, "Oh shoot, maybe I shouldn't have said that." But those are to me are the, always the best the best audio clips. So I I'd be curious to hear some of that. You'll have to get those out there somehow.
1: <laughs> okay. i actually <laughs> contemplated about um Writing a bunch down. I do a monthly uh, newspaper article yeah. here in Colorado, and uh, it's crossed my mind several times to
0: write some of those down, but I don't know if we get by the censor. What what newspaper is that in?
1: It's a it's a it's called the Mountain Connection. It's out of Evergreen, Colorado, and um, yeah. shoot, yeah, I think it reaches fifty thousand people. It's not a huge right distribution, on. but I've been doing it now for about four years, and it's pretty neat because drives people to my website, and I've guided quite a few people that have read those articles, and it's just something fun for me to do.
0: Are your books available through your website?
1: Uh, they are. They're, they're available through um, duaineredford.com, and they're also available, the quicker way to get them is just go through Amazon. Right. And pick them up that way.
0: Sure. Um, I, I, w- I want to ask you some questions, bring it back to the water just a little bit. I know you're an analytical guy, but I want to get a little artsy here, and I want you to paint us a picture. So, your dream day, Dwayne. This is your day, your way. You know, whether it's personal time on the water, or it's maybe that 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 one person you really you know get a kick out of guiding every time. Walk us through your dream day on the water. What species you chase, and what are you drinking? What are you you know? What species? What what kind of flies you throwing?
1: Okay, well, it's, I would say it's a day, you know, I I love guiding my clients, I've had a lot of clients that I've guided for many, many years, but I'll be honest with you, it's a day when I get to fish by myself, usually a beautiful crisp fall morning, uh, fire up the old tobacco pipe with some Jamaican rum in there, Mm. Um, usually have a little bit of wild turkey, American honey in a flask, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it's... I like to be on the river when the sun's coming up, and and, uh, I'm hopeful. My perfect day would have a a gorgeous little trico hatch. I love fishing trico hatch. I love fishing every stage of the trico hatch from the emergent phase to the adult to the spinner phase. Uh, That would be my best day, you know, a day that gets maybe 75 degrees. Uh, it that uh, I can't compare with that, I and mean, it's just one of those days where, you know, I will find myself sitting on a rock and or taking pictures and flipping rocks as as much as I find myself casting the brown trout and rainbows. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's it for me right there.
0: How much in your mind is what we do, just strictly observation? You know, paying attention.
1: I would say. I would say that's, for me, that's what it's all about. You know, I, I, always, I teach guide school and I, and I teach those young men and women to, to learn how to not only take care of their clients, but to observe everything going on from water temps to flows, to barometric pressure, to bugs coming off, the ability to be talking to a client and hearing a fish hitting the surface, you know, 40 yards downstream. It's all observation, you know. We'll step. I'll step in with my clients, and sometimes, you know, they, I can tell they're antsy, but I'm standing with the river for a Um they think I'm soaking it in, which it's partly that. But the other part is I'm observing. I'm looking for you know, fish, bugs, you name it. That's what I'm. I'm, you know, water clarity, temps. That's what I'm all about.
0: Hmm. I I like what you said there when you you know you're having that casual conversation and you actually hear a fish come up like forty yards downstream. I know what you mean. The hearing is sometimes um, an overlooked thing. Um, I mean, we use it, it's mostly observation. I had I had somebody on, and shoot, I forget his name. Oh, it was Pete Stitcher is who it was. And oh, was, I know Peter. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. But he 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 has a very like you. He's got a somewhat systematic approach. I think. And he's always talking about like those spider webs, those cobwebs, what's in those webs. Mm -hmm. And I never used to look at that. I'm just looking at the water. Maybe I'll roll the odd rock. You know, you try to look around and see what's coming off, but it's not always apparent and those webs are always there. And I thought that was a really good tip, but you know, you're using all your great tip. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great tip.
1: Yeah. I have that. I think that's it. It's in one or both of my books. I talk about, you know, that's part of the observation as well. And, you, you know, as far as watching the birds feed, I mean, it goes, it just goes as far as you
0: want to take it. Hmm. Yeah. I One thing I noticed uh in my neck of the woods are flowers. Um There's, I think there's a lot of correlation to the bugs that are hatching to the, you know, the vegetation, whether it's the Saskatoon berries and flower or it's the balsam root sunflowers we get a lot of around here. I know those mayflies will be popping. You know what I mean? Like there's a correlation when you really start comparing notes and looking around exactly that's
1: yep that's all that's what it's about it's that observation you hit it right on the head
0: yeah huh is, is there anything Dwayne, about the past time of fly fishing that you think we could be doing better as a group or is there anything that kind of irks you that you're seeing out there
1: yeah <laughs>
0: oh Oh. here I, we go.
1: I i think i think i write about this I write about this probably once a year at least, and I try to educate as many people as I possibly can when I'm out speaking, but it, it just comes down to etiquette. Uh, you not, not just with other anglers, but with the fish as well, taking care of the stream as well. You, know. you cut that tippet off, keep it, put it in something, hang on to it. Uh, you, you drop into the river, you... you you pop through the willows, and there's somebody in the hole you want to be in. Give them the time of day, and ask them which direction to go and then tell them I'll, I'll give you the bend above you, and that straight if you you know, and I'll hit above you. Is that cool? Or is it all right if I fish in behind you? Either you know, either way, yeah. It's just that that etiquette, I, you know. And Colorado's getting to be kind of a busy place, and um, it's getting harder and harder to find that good etiquette. And I know people know it. Um, but there's this huge competition going right now. And
0: I think a lot of these social media sites feel that
1: competition. You got me started. I'll, yeah. I'll back off, but no, I would say. No, I know where you're
0: going. I, 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 agree hundred percent. I think etiquette is something, it actually comes up on the show a lot. Um, actually a lot, but I know what you mean about the social media too, because it's like, you know, the grip and grin it is, it is kind of competitive, even though it's not. Like, um, we don't usually put pics of our failures, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, right, right. um, so I think people sometimes when you look through there, you say, well, geez, look at the size of that trout. Where are those guys? What are they doing that I'm not? And it may Mm -hmm. be the fish of their lifetime, you know, but they have it on 10 different angles and yeah, it's, uh. I think we, we, we do some bragging on there and I agree with you. It's kind of uh it can get annoying. I kind of like it when people take a, a different approach and don't just always show the good stuff, like show some, 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 you know, some flowers, some, you know, fauna, whatever, just not always, always the fish, you know? And yeah, I, I struggle with social media as an older guy. I just, I wish I was better at it, but yeah. Yeah. Same here. Yeah.
1: So what, Same here.
0: so what's going on i know you've um you haven't been on the water you were telling me before we started chatting in a little while but that i'm, I'm assuming that's going to change and you're probably going to get super busy pretty quick
1: yeah i should i'm looking uh to get back on the water september 17th and then uh, i've been moving all of my trips that i could move uh, that i've lost in the last eight weeks to the which is good for me. I love fishing in the fall anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and with the water camps this year, these nice 40-degree you know, cold nights are going to cool that water off. And... Yeah, Yeah. so that's, that's really where I am. I'm going to try to get a good, strong surge at the end of the year here, get well into November, and, and go bow hunt.
0: Good stuff. So are you, are you doing like, what are you working out at home? Just trying to get ready for the season or are you having to do some rehab on some, some things or what? Not to get too personal.
1: Mainly. Yeah. Mainly I'm just trying to get um, my stamina back.
0: Right. Um, Okay.
1: I started off about three weeks ago walking, you know, a half mile a day. And like today I was, I think I'm up to like 3.2 miles. I'm putting a pack on my back again um, I will say this: I've tied oh, about fifteen dozen bugs in the last in the last seven weeks, so I, you know, I've got that going for me. But yeah, I'm just trying to get my stamina back up so I can go in and do back-to-back full days and just put my head down and finish strong.
0: How important, Dwayne, is that? Because I mean, guides are a special breed in my mind. How important is it that you are in good shape to take that client out?
1: You know, it's, I think that's, that's part of being a good guide is being, well, I'll just say this. I pride myself in never sitting down. I never want to sit down. I'm always on somebody's hip. You know, if I have two clients or three clients, I'm on somebody's hip. I'm moving back and forth coaching, you know, in the middle client, I'm coaching those, do on the end i mean it's you've got to be physically fit to be able to do it the way i want to do it anyway and i always teach my young guides that that's the best way to do it you know be active be mobile head on a swivel you got to be in shape to do that you know i can't show up uh, any less than 100 percent
0: are most of your trips um drift trips or do you also do walk and wade
1: no, I'm just all a walk and wait guy anymore. Okay. That's all I do.
0: Yeah, and I,
1: you know, I love it. Uh, we'll some days we'll put, you know, two three miles on. Some days we'll put five on. But um, I, I love getting into a, a run and working it, you know, top, you know, bottom up, inside out, covering the whole thing and adjusting as we go. That's that's what I live for is just fishing a run, picking it. Yeah. picking at it you know picking up a couple fish and going to the next run Got that's it. that's the way i like to you know hit the water and
0: move if you had it you know all the years under your belt of uh you know walking and wading and fly fishing these streams in in colorado and rivers and, and beyond what would be a, a piece of advice you'd give somebody to kind of up their game so, you know as a guide you probably see a lot of people um you know hit the stream whether you're like well there's probably a common theme how can the average person get better
1: you know i really think it comes down to present the ability to put the flies within the vicinity that you're that you're trying to hit whether you're using an indicator or throwing a streamer or dry drop and whatever the ability to hit close and then The drift portion, and this is where most people struggle. Most people run their flies entirely too fast. You've got to slow them down, and they will say, you know, if you're fishing dry flies, certainly you want to go the speed of the surface water. Right. You you don't want any drag on it. But most people, when they're nymphing, they think that if their indicators go in the speed of the water, that their flies are going the right speed. But that is not true. Uh, that water at the base of the river, down where your feet, you know, are, are residing, uh-huh. is going about half the speed as the water on the surface. And so, folks are fishing way too fast, especially in uh, these highly pressured waters. These fish see thousands of uh, naturals and thousands of uh, fake bugs a day, and they're going to eat the ones that are going the right speed. And then the last part. I would say would be recognizing an eat. A lot of folks don't recognize it when they get an eat. You know, it's like, you know, I'm telling my clients, no, that was that was you. <laughs> I probably would have on that. <laughs> so I think present, drift, and set, those are the three main and I would say out of all that, the ability to control the speed of your flies is important and then the direction of your flies is equally as important. Uh, I well maybe a step lower, hmm. but you know, if you think of a normal run, rarely is it going one direction, the entire drift, it might come at you then angle away. And a lot of folks, or it might go away from you then angle back. A lot of folks will just go straight down the middle of that run. Not thinking about the direction that the fish are sitting in that, that uh, particular run, how they're sitting in those right. seams. Yeah. So it's, Yeah, it's it's depth, speed, direction, profile, color.
0: Do you find that you still, even to this day, are learning to read the water, or is it just kind of just red for you now? You just kind of, it's in your DNA?
1: Um, I would see, for the most part, uh, yeah. I can can pick out, you know, exactly where the fish are going to be. Some days, fish are feeding in just one certain part of the run. So maybe they're all feeding in uh, a 18 to 30 of the tail out uh, on a run. So I will concentrate on those. I guess that's where the experience comes through is I'll concentrate on those. There's times, however, like anybody, you know, maybe we're, we're drifting under an indicator and we lifted up the recast and it's like, by golly, the bugs are right here. How in the heck did that happen? They should be out there. So there's hydraulics going down there. And, but the ability to recognize that is huge because then you can adjust
0: to it right huh there's some there's some good nuggets there for sure. Um, thanks for that. I, I want to talk about your fly time it sounds like you've been pretty busy at the bench and uh, I, that I, I work that way too. If I could be fishing I'm fishing. let's put it that way but um, where I'm at the winters are fairly long so kind of the winter season is is a busy one. but talk to me about your setup. When you like to tie, you know, maybe some of the equipment, uh, what kind of vise um, do you tie on?
1: Oh, uh, what is this thing? I'm looking right at it. Uh, it's, a tie, it's a vice by Al Ritt uh, Peak. It's a peak vice. Yeah. I had to lift it up and look underneath it. Uh, I love it. Right on. It's freaking bomb-proof. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many thousands of flies I've tied just on these jaws.
0: I was just going to say, have you ever had to replace those jaws?
1: No, no, I haven't. Um, I, I've i taken some emery cloth and, and um, sanded down the jaws a little bit because I devo- developed a burr, but that's after, I don't know how many thousands of, of flies I've dropped off of this vise.
0: Hmm. Um, it's just, it's bulletproof. Are, are, do you time, you know, if you were, say, percentage-wise, are you mostly a, a dry fly tire or are you mostly nymphs? Or is it kind of half and half for you? How does that look?
1: Boy, that's a tough one. Um, I'd say I'm probably uh, 70% nymphs, and I throw soft tackles in there. I tie a lot of soft tackles. so I would say probably 70% that, and then the rest would be a mix of dry flies and streamers.
0: You got any uh, butt-crack nymphs? I do.
1: I do. Um, and I tie those in an 18 and a 20 sometimes a 16 wow. when uh, when the pmds are coming off on the Colorado River so I'll, I'll run a 16 but uh, for the most part they're 18s and 20s and this time of the year I'm starting to to back it down to a size 20.
0: when you're tying that small what's your go-to hook
1: usually uh like a 2488 h a camco yeah, yeah a nice solid hook the 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 downfall of going with smaller hooks is, you know, you hook that big fish occasionally, you straighten the hook out, or uh, you know, something along those lines. So I like that that little heavier hook, but I, I'll tie that in a twenty four fifty seven, seventy seventy two series uh, from Montana Fly. Yeah, a nice little a nice little curved hook with a wide gap.
0: Do you have a go-to thread? Like uh, people get real, you know picky when it comes to thread and I I think it with good reason is there one you what's your go-to
1: yeah I would say it's probably a six-aught uni thread Um, and the reason that is is because I tie with a lot of razor foam you know uh, 0.5 or 1.0 millimeter razor foam and I use that six-aught to cut that foam where I want it when I'm tying it on if that makes sense so I can I can wrap it and cut right through it where i need to and then i can you know nice soft wrap above that or below wherever but yeah six i'd say a six out uni
0: i've gone. i I love thread. i like the way it lays flat and it doesn't really bulk up but i've gone to i've been using a nano silk lately you want to cut into things man that is strong stuff it's it's amazing
1: i know it's almost too strong because I've, i've used it before tying you know some of my my foam flies and like oops,
0: yeah, yeah, got
1: right through it. So yeah, and and like you said, I love that uni thread because, you know, the the nymphs, the bluing olive nymphs, and and, and uh, you know, basically the mayfly nymphs in Colorado, except for the you know the crawlers and the big burrowers and so forth, are really um, they have sparse bodies. They have really narrow bodies. So I like to be able to run down the the hook, tie in what I need to tie in a tail and the and maybe some, some copper wire, and then run back up and keep a real thin profile.
0: Are, are you a um, suggestive or realistic fan when it comes to patterns? Completely suggestive.
1: And, and I'll say, I like to tie what I call crossover flies. Flies that can, uh, you can use like when the yellow sallies and the PMDs are coming off at the same time. I try to develop flies that will mimic both of those, so i'm I'm in the ballpark i I'm really confident in those flies. I have one that I call the yellow Susie, and, and you know I use uh, yellow silk floss and and a small uh, partridge soft tackle on there with a red head. Hmm. You know people are like, well the the red is supposed to be on the butt. So, Fish can't, they don't give a darn, you know, they're looking for that profile and that color. So I am, yeah, I'm impressionistic.
0: You're also getting some nice movement with some of those soft hackles. And for me, that, the movement, I, I know as tires, you, how, how the art has really, really gotten good over the years. You think back to the patterns that we were tying and, and trying to imitate 30 years ago. It, I know it, it boggles know. my mind.
1: It does. And you know, it's, Funny you mentioned that because, all right, I'm gonna probably get lambasted for this, but I've I've actually gone back to the old woolly worm, yeah, and um, okay. something I tied when I was 10, 11 years old, and I'll run that in a size 18,
0: Jeez, and, was... uh,
1: as a maybe a second fly in a dry dropper rig, and
0: is that uh, like the a fish are on it?
1: They're still on it.
0: Black body with the red tag or olive body with the grizzly hackle, is not that kind of like that? Yep, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That was a good one. I forgot about that pattern. See, it's, it's funny. There's a lot of retro patterns like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and they're usually work because they are suggestive and they're not any one thing, right? It's not, you know, you see some of these beautiful mayflies that are, you know, that is a green Drake. It is nothing else, (laughs) but it's like, you know, if you got a woolly, it could be a case caddis. It could be, geez, it could be, it could be a caterpillar that dropped in the, you know, it could be anything. Exactly.
1: Exactly. I mean, it's, it's funny when I'm on the river and we're fishing dries and, and we're having uh, refusals and I'm sure that our drift's good and and I've got the right size fly and I've got the right size tippet. Sometimes I'll just say, give me that rig and I'll tie on an old, you know, Royal coachman. Yeah. Um, hair wing Royal coachman. And it's like, wow, that worked again.
0: Yeah. That's funny.
1: And yep, I'm do, right there with you.
0: Do you find flies' patterns are cyclical? So, in, in other words, like, you know, whatever you were using 15 years ago was lights out. Are you still using it? You know, the, I can think of a lot of patterns that I'm not fishing today that I used to, and then some that I'm kind of reverting back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do find that. That's interesting that you say that. I uh, I do believe in fly fatigue. I believe that fish, yeah. you know, the, uh, the chubby Chernobyl is a great example in my mind. It's a great fly, great pattern. Hmm. But the fish on the eagle have pretty much blown it off. Yeah. I mean, because they every fish sees a chubby Chernobyl. And so, you know, I tweaked the design a little bit, and I tweaked the pattern a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm catching fish again. But, uh, yeah, there, there's a certain amount of fatigue. And, you know, that Amy's ant that I used 15 years ago, It'll come back into play here before too long because not pretty much everybody's throwing a, a chubby and yeah. um, Amy's aunt and the fat Albert and those bugs are going to start coming back again.
0: I agree with you hundred percent. Fly, I even like that word and I never really thought of it that way, but fly fatigue, that's where I'm at. We have a lot of catch and release. Well, not a lot, but there's a few catch and release lakes that are really trophy lakes and And those fish get super, super selective, or they've had a sore lip a few times. They get pretty smart, right? But Mm -hmm. I just think that um, when you can fool, and same with your heavily pressured systems, when you're dealing with um, a stretch of water that gets hammered day after day after day, those, those fish have to smarten up at some point.
1: Yeah, I hate to say it mark i mean they got the brain the size of a pea and they outsmart me most days um, you know it's just it's I, yeah you see it all the time
0: i got a, a winemaking all the time. winemaking buddy of mine that uh, he, he has this quote he says i've been fooled by a single-celled organism before <laughs> <So> <laughs> perfect yeah um Good stuff. Well, hey, listen, I really want to thank you for taking the time to to chat with us. Love what you're up to. Um, people want to check out your books and your dot com. Uh, just run run your socials by us and, and your dot com, Dwayne.
1: So it's it's DwayneRedford.com. That's my website. And um, and I haven't been on it in the last eight weeks, so you know, be patient. Uh, and then uh my Instagram is flyfishers playbook. And then the two books are the Fly Fisher's Playbook, first and second uh, editions, and then Hidden in Plain View. And the subtitle on that is Recognizing the Obvious and Exploiting the
0: Obscure. Oh, Um, I like it. So that's that's
1: basically, yeah, it kind of explains me. I'm kind of a goofball. Anyway,
0: (laughs) I I really enjoyed it. You got to be able to laugh at ourselves, don't we? And uh, that's good stuff. Thanks for doing this. And you know what, if you ever... Put pen to paper or, uh, as you say, uh, a voice to uh, to iPhone or however you're doing it over there to do your prep work for your books. If you have something else coming out, just reach out. Man, I'm happy to jump on a call or um, let's touch base in, in, in a little while and see what you've been up to.
1: That would be great. and You know what? I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing for the fly fishing industry and, and you know, keep up the good work. And thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very humbled by it. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. You've been listening tonight uh, to a chat with Dwayne Redford. Dwayne is a guide, author, speaker, and one heck of a fly tire. He's out of uh, the Vail Valley in Colorado. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.